Good afternoon, friends. Welcome to another grand and glorious day. You know where you are. You're in the best little city in America. That is Sioux Falls, South Dakota, where we are going to spend a couple hours here on the Patrick Lally Show, engaging in the energetic and entertaining conversation you've come to know and love. Right up till about 5 o'clock, we'll be talking about local, state, and national news and politics, uh, a little parenting, mental health, economics. Oh, it's just a diverse show full of fun and wilder wilderness wilderment wilderment bewilderment, bewilderment i bewilderment. think uh, it's, it's gonna be wonder wonderful wondrous we're gonna be full of wonder and joy today that's what it's gonna be all about that was the voice of uber producer dan peters who in fact is with us today thank god he's back dan had a lovely day off last week and uh thank you for spending some time with us today through your radio streamed live on kso.com or on the kso mobile app that one-touch application will give you this program wherever you want to go and are within range of a strong cellular signal. Remember, you can always follow along on Facebook Live, which is up and running right now with appears to be a good wireless signal. We, we are dependent on technology here, people. This is a uh, this this program flush with technology because we also got the Twitters at Pilally Show, P L A L L E Y Show where Dan will keep you up to date on what is going on out there in the world or in our studio. He'll give you the links. You can ask questions, clarify points, express uh, dismay, and maybe some bewilderment and wonder and joy. You can do all those things on Twitter. It's a, it is a, a, a multimodal social media. And people use it to its fullest potential in many instances. <laughs> <laughs> and we hope they will do so here today. Uh, hey, that was that was quite a storm. That was quite a show on Saturday. Were you were you awakened by the rumbling, Dan? A little bit, yeah. Uh, we we had a we had a whole house full. Everybody's up. Everybody's awake. Nobody's going back to sleep after that. It's a good thing it was a Saturday night, you know, so you could spend kind of a lazy Sunday morning trying to get back. All that sleep you lost. It was big, big boomers, man. That was the thing about that one. That the wind where I was over in the bucolic southeast side didn't seem that strong, but the the claps of thunder were intense. How about you over there on the west side? How'd it go? I did all right. Yeah, no big deal. I drove through a road through my bike this morning, through uh, the the east side of the bike trail over there, and the trees over in that sort of center section, your cherry rock parks, your rotary parks, things of this nature. Uh, they took it on the chin. There are a lot of trees down there in uh, Cherry Rock Park. Yeah, I think that was one of the hardest hit areas in Sioux Falls, in that Cherry Rock Park area. And a lot of rain. Did, did, did you ever see any any totals on that, Dan, at all? No? I know that there were, it was about an inch or so from the Friday night, Saturday morning, mm-hmm. And then that Saturday night, Sunday morning, there was probably another two wow. that occurred. So it rivers, was the rivers way up. Yeah. And then there's yeah, a little bit more that happened this morning. So we and I know they were they're they're doing that big drainage project at Marion Park, mm-hmm. right along Marion Road, just mm-hmm. south of forty first street. They were pumping water out of there oh, like geez. gangbusters. It's gotta be tough to be in construction this year because every morning you come in, you gotta pump out the hole. Whatever hole you're working in, gotta pump out the hole. 
That yeah, and then you have to contend with the village rats that are in there too. The, <laughs> the village rats? Yes, the village rats. What are those? Is that an actual rat or is that a euphemism for something else? I think it is a euphemism for something else. Ah, just stuff. Flotsam and jetsam of, of stuff? Okay. Something like that. <laughs> I'm just going to let that go because I don't know where it's going and I'm kind of afraid. Hey, I want to remind everybody, we've been talking about this uh, last week as well. Tomorrow night is the kickoff, the debut debut of uh, Public Input at Club David where uh, I will be moderating slash hosting a gathering of friends, colleagues, like-minded individuals, people who are interested in public affairs during the city council meeting. And Club David, of course, right across the street from Town Hall, conveniently located across the street from Town Hall on 10th Street. And we will be uh, watching the city council meeting in all its glory with uh, your proclamations, uh, uh, your uh, actual public input, uh, the news of the day, uh, zoning ordinances, the consent agenda, all the hot stuff that's going on. And uh, I'll be there with with, uh, fellow panelists, blogger Scott Erisman friend of the show, will be there. Of course, Scott uh, at SouthCola.com pays a lot of attention to city politics. And then uh, disgruntled former city commissioner Matt Staub, of course, also uh, a former insider. So we'll get the insider's viewpoint. And he, and he's, uh, they're both, the thing about these guys, are, they're kind of from different, I won't say political spectrum. I won't, I won't, I won't categorize people on a linear model because I, I don't agree with that your rights and your lefts because knowing both these guys, the way I do, they, they share a lot, including kind of a uh, tendency towards smart Alecness or smart Alex. So that should be a good time. We'll have, uh, we've got some, uh, we're working on our city council bingo, hope to have the city council bingo going and uh, maybe some drink specials. We, we've been working up our list. I don't know if that'll all be in full, full gear by tomorrow night, but. You can at least give a few things. You don't want to pull out all of the necessary tools right. of the toolbox at the beginning. Right. Just kind of, you know, work your way into it. Or you could, you know, spend all your, you know, all of your ideas at once and see what su- sticks. We're taking suggestions, too. So, like, I know that Teresa Staley, she wanted, uh, I talked to her about it, she wanted a cup of coffee with cream and sugar. Well, I'm going, I think we're going with a plain glass of water, no ice, no lemon. 25 cents. <laughs> uh, you know, so that that's a good one. I was thinking about the uh, the uh, uh, Christine Erickson shot of tequila. That sort of thing. Because she doesn't take her. I mean, Christine, I like Christine. She doesn't take herself too seriously. So that always helps. But uh, we've got a full list. We'll see if we roll it all out or not. And so you can come out and make suggestions on that. Probably ask us some questions, that kind of thing. Um, it's a, it'll be a free flowing conversation, sort of like a MST3K. If you remember that fine program, cable program with, uh, Joel Hodgson, only without, uh, the movies and the robots and the spaceship. It would be kind of like capital steps. You know what I mean? If you know those guys without the, without the singing, you know, or Mark Russell without the piano. Yeah. Capital steps without the singing and the dancing and the, uh, Bipartisan or the partisan humor, or the really the jokes. (laughs) 
So I think you know where we're going with this. Joke heavy. Joke heavy. We'll be there about 6.30. Meeting gets going about 7. We'll see how it goes. We'll see where it goes. We're going to do it in August, a couple of meetings in August. And uh, if we're having fun, we'll keep doing it. If we're not, we quit. That's the way we are. You can, you can do whatever brings you joy, Dan. All right. Now I got to, I, I know this was on your mind. What? And you, the, the bilge rat. Oh, okay. It is a rat that lives in the worst place on a ship, which is the bilge. Ah. So a bilge rat is a stinking, yucky, covered with all the bad stuff on yeah, the rat. I can just imagine that. Yeah. So you be, yeah, you, you have the, the, those things, you get down to the bottom and, and when you start pumping things out of, of those places. Well, God bless those people who are out there working for a living and have to deal with that sort of thing. And these uh, wet construction sites, I think that would just be awful. So kudos to you guys. Keep it up. If you're out there on the job site listening to us today, I really appreciate it. Hang in there, man. Gets better. we got a great show for you today. Our guests include famed economist Ernie Goss from the Creighton University down in Omaha. Of course, uh, probably the preeminent regional economist. And we'll talk to him about trade and uh, uh, growth and, and all the good things. Annie Garretts of NAMI of Sioux Falls will be here talking about fall classes that they're having. The bad mother is here for weird friends, and that's always fun. And I'll have a PL statement just after the break. Today's topic Trump's terrible attacks on the media. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 319 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Yes, indeed, this is the time of day on the Patrick Lally Show when we get a little closer to free with our friends the Bodines with our theme song, which we really appreciate. It is, of course, the PL Statement. It's when we look around the world, read the news, find the things that, uh, you know, anger you, upset you, make you happy, give you the big joy. You know, just like you're sitting around the morning table reading a paper, only, you know, it's not how it works anymore. No, it's, uh, it's all on the internet. It's all internet these days. It's all ball bearings. So I'm looking through the news, and actually this all happened over the weekend, and it started last week, and uh, this, it's, 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 it's the fake news thing, right? The president's continued uh, attacks on the media, which is, I mean, that's, that's normal, right? It's normal. Presidents hate media. They all do. That's never going to change. That's just part of life and as a member of the media and a former print journalist for a long time you know you just you endure a lot and you just develop a thick skin and it's not that big a deal people have accused me of all sorts of things that weren't true but that's fine i mean that's you, you don't get in the business to make friends <laughs> well you make friends but not nobody outside the building that's not even true but so the president's been on this jag lately where he's ramping it up against the media because, frankly, he's got some issues. And so it's easier to demonize the messenger. And, that, hey, that's going to happen. Um, but over the weekend, and he had another uh, tweet. 
where he said, the fake news hates me saying that they are the enemy of the people only because they know it's true, all caps, that helps. I am providing a great service by explaining this to the American people. They purposely cause great division and distrust. They also cause war. They can also cause war. They are very dangerous and sick. Yours truly, Donald Trump. So I saw this over the weekend and I, you know, there's been, he's been uh, making his crowds. He's been on his little political tour and he's been riling up the crowds to yell at the reporters. And uh, yeah, I'm sure you've seen all the pictures, uh, people flipping them off and screaming at them. And, and uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's fine. If you, if you, if those folks who are there are so taken by the cult of personality that they want to uh, basically attack other people, um, okay. But once you do that, it is a crime. I remind you of that. And it, it, all it does is stoke the bitter, bitter instincts of human beings by appealing to the hate in them that he knows is there because of their dissatisfaction or their disaffectedness with their lives. Okay. And that's fine. And it's not everybody. I understand that. Not everybody who supports Trump's, you know, out to, 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 you know, flip off reporters. That's not what I'm saying at all. But the stoking of the flame is, is, a, is at best unproductive and at worst dangerous. And it can't go unchallenged. And it's not going unchallenged by a lot of people in this country, but it should not go unchallenged by our elected representatives because it is an overt attempt to undermine freedom and the constitutional role of the press. There's no doubt about that. And that's press of all kinds. You know that the First Amendment of the Constitution covers a lot of stuff, right? But one of the things that it covers is this notion of free speech. And yes, the president has free speech too, but just as you cannot yell fire in a crowded theater, there are limits on free speech. The press is pointing out the president's inconsistencies, and I'll be kind to call them inconsistencies. He makes it pretty easy because he has trouble with the facts. The facts are not that hard to find. And sometimes it's just blatantly wrong, and they point it out. The president is under investigation by Robert S. Mueller III. He doesn't like that. It's getting worse by the day for him and his administration. It's not good news. I understand that. The press didn't do that to him, <laughs> okay? He admitted over the weekend that the meeting at Trump Tower was, in fact, for the purpose of collecting information on an opponent, dirt. Which is, and, and, you know, that's what happened, and that's fine. But taking help from a foreign power in a campaign in the United States is illegal. That's an illegal act. Nobody did that to Donald Trump but himself and his son and his campaign manager. So he can demonize the media all he wants. And people have said to me, I had a lovely Facebook conversation over the weekend that wasn't too bad in which a person said to me, well, I know what side you're on. 
I'm not on it. What sides? What sides are there in this? There's only criticism of the president, his policies, his actions, his lack of historical context, his discrepancies, his adherence to conspiracy theories, his misogyny, his dangerous trade policy, his paternalism, his greed, and his fundamental misunderstanding of the principles of American constitutional democracy. That's not a side. That's just his Twitter feed. I do appreciate differing points of view. What I can't tolerate is lying to the American people and demonizing and inviting violence upon the people who rightly and fairly easily point out his discrepancies. It hearkens the techniques of autocrats through history. If you can't see that, you're just not looking. That's the bottom line on today's PL statement. You can agree or disagree with me. Send me an email, Patrick at KSO.com. You can uh, get on the Facebook and talk to us there, Facebook Live at KSO's page. You can also contact us via Twitter at P Lally Show, P L A L L E Y Show. Coming up after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters, it's the bad mother on Weird Friends. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. And there's a waitress with a sweet tattoo. She's gorgeous and in love with you. Uh-huh. 3.34 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. And uh, it's Monday. It's Weird Friends. Normally, normally that's the common man, but the common man being as busy as he has been lately with his travels and such can't make it. I'm very happy that uh, the bad mother was able to pop right over for an impromptu visit. Bad mother, thanks for coming over. Always happy to be here. It's fun. <laughs> it is fun. We have a blast yeah. uh, talking about, you know, the parenting and the mothering. Yes. Or the lack thereof. The lack thereof many times. But, yes. you know. <laughs> perhaps not, perhaps not uh, completely uh, uh, within the bounds of what society would suggest today is proper sort of by the book mothering where you do everything and do it perfect right right? no i i'm not i am completely an imperfect mother i am not the june cleaver you know for one i'm not a stay-at-home mom i mean you know yes i i work i leave the house i you know i leave my kids with other people to take care of them do you know anybody (laughs) Do you know anybody anymore, really, that just stays at home? I mean, there are some people who have more flex, you know, maybe yeah. work part-time or whatever. But just, that's what they do all day, every day. Yeah, I mean, I have run into a few of them. They're over out the there. Years. The there unicorns? Are still, yes, there are still. <laughs> I mean, you know, I know South Dakota has the highest percentage of working mothers in yep. the United States, which is kind of crazy when you think about that. Um, it really is. I, I mean, it doesn't make sense on one level because it's not the most expensive place in the world to live. But... You know, I guess it's all about wages, right? Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, also, you know, we don't have to pay our people a lot here either. Yeah, so, you that's know, that, right. That's, that's right. a whole nother ball of wax. Yeah, in that's terms right. Of We're not things, going in that. But, but it no, means but that it everybody's is, working. But everybody is out there working. A lot of people are working and trying to juggle, you know, being the working parent and raising their kids and doing a good job at both. Mm-hmm. And I will be the first to tell you that there are some days I'm like, okay, wow, I totally screwed up everything today you know <laughs> i mean like i could i have at least been a good mom no i failed at you know what yeah. x y and z did i do good at my job yeah tomorrow's another day you know let's hope fired. nobody yeah i didn't get fired so let's hope nobody noticed and i'll come back in tomorrow and try it all over again but i mean that's generally the philosophy for anything you know what tomorrow's another day 
we'll try it over. You know, we'll do it again. But I mean, as a parent in, you know, working and trying to juggle kids in elementary school and middle school, I mean, you know, sometimes in the middle of the morning you get the call and you're like, oh, that's from the school. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Turn the I, phone I, over. I, 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 yes, I will answer it. And like, oh, kid is sick. Well, yeah. you know. <laughs> when you say sick, yeah, like, is, yeah. is the kid complaining or is there any outward signs of this sickness? Like exactly, you know, what, just a bump on the playground <laughs> or is it she actually concussed? You know, I mean... <laughs> Have you held up the fingers? Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, it sounds terrible, but it's a, it's a legitimate sort of triage decision. It right? is. And you know what? And I've always been very lucky that I've had flexible workplaces that I can, you know, have laptop. I can work from mm-hmm. wherever, you know, um, there are, you know, many people do not have that kind of flexibility. And in that case, they are really having to choose between, okay, do I need to take PTO do I need to, you know, what do I need to do? Mm-hmm. Whereas me, I'm like, yeah, all right, pack up my laptop. I'll work from home for the afternoon and, you know, put the kid on the couch, the puke bucket here, and <laughs> I don't, you know, <laughs> continue on my merry way, you know, but. A lot of people can't do that. No. And I don't know what, you know, I'm like, it's the give and take of. You know, what's interesting parent, about that too is it's, it's, it would seem to me to be most difficult for parents on either end of the economic spectrum. Meaning, so if you. If you are uh, a woman who has children um, and you're working in a in, in a factory at mm-hmm. Morell's at uh, or in a like a call center, call or center, or someplace where you just can't. Oh, I'm going to work from home. It'll be OK. Right. That's that's impossible. OK. Yeah. You either have to like take time off and which is a limited amount or stay there. And then at the other end of the spectrum, you have women who are trying to uh who want to be high achievers, right? Want to be in positions mm-hmm. of management, power, authority, influence. Which there's, and, the, and you also can't just walk away from that. Right. And I will, you will notice that you said women and not necessarily parent. You well, know, I mean, because it, it is. That's but, the, just, but the dudes you know, get a pass. Right, it is. Or, you know, like if, you know, if the dad takes, you know, takes one for the team and, you know, goes home for the afternoon, it's like, oh, you're a great dad. You know, oh, good. You know, of course, you look at you juggling Parenthood and work. That almost never happens in my experience. Right. (laughs) There have been a few times. Yeah, exactly. That I've seen people, men in in the business, in the media world mostly, say, uh, I got to run home. I got to take my my wife, kid, whatever. But mostly it's been, Mm -hmm. I got to go. And being an enlightened manager as I was, I'd say, okay, that's okay. Right. We'll deal with it. But- it's almost always women. And it is. And, you know, and I don't know, is it just because, you know, women are the stereotypical caregiver? Mm-hmm. I guess that's a whole, no- again, that, you know, the the disparities between, you know, men and women in parenting is a totally different topic. But Well, let's, I mean, let's just admit this. Yeah, it is. I mean, you know, there are the disparities. And dudes are just, they're not lazy. They're not bad parents. They're just, they'll take the out. They'll take the easy yeah. path. Well, or, you know, like, you know, oh, look at you babysitting today. You know, oh. I'm like, oh, you're not babysitting. It's called parenting. It's your own <laughs> kid. But, you know. <laughs> taking care of your child. Yeah. Take, uh, this is my kid. I'm Nobody's paying me. I'm not the 14-year-old babysitter. But, you know. And there are a lot of fine, fine male parents out there. And there are. Yeah. No, and, I mean, it's not me. No. I'm not a parent. So I'm not 
There are, and you know, and my husband's a great parent too. I'm not trying to disparage him at all. Oh, he's happy. On, you can to, say it. He's, yeah. he's probably working, right? Well, he is. Yes. See, you know, <laughs> you listen to the radio. No, <laughs> no. Take your shots. Go ahead. Just this take is your chance. No. no, we're not going to do that. No. We're going to come right back and talk to more with the bad mother about uh, maybe some uh, family leave issues, that sort of thing. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information One Thousand KSOO. Nothing but a Three forty-five on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO, and uh, appropriate lyric there from uh, the two tracks, which is, <laughs> what is it? Man left his woman in the gray, uh, nothing but a pig on the side, or whatever it is. Man disappears one day, left his woman in the gray, nothing but a pig on the side. Right. Oh, man, that's <laughs> nasty. Uh, we're here with the bad mother on Weird Friends we've been talking about. We always talk about parenting issues and uh, like keep it when you're when you're going through all these things, you know, you're balancing mm-hmm. life, home, work, occasional fun. Uh, do, do your kids ever look at you and just say, Mom, it's it's OK. <laughs> Don't worry. I'm going to be OK. Maybe not in those exact words, but you know what? My my oldest, my 13-year-old, has said something like, you know, how come you and dad just don't go out to the movies sometime? Like, <laughs> All right, thank you. You know? <laughs> you know? No, I think he's thinking. Uh, There's I, probably an ulterior yeah, motive. Yeah, I, I think if they you know. go. <laughs> 13, though, you're getting to be, um, you're, you're testing the bounds of independence, right? Oh, yes, oh, yes. Oh, huge. Uh, and you are, but you still don't know all the tricks of the trade. No, right? cause, no, because I mean it's middle school brain. There is yeah. nothing going on between those years. <laughs> some days, you know, he is a very smart kid. But I remember back when he was, you know, before sixth grade orientation, uh, the school principal was talking about, you know, all the different, um, you know, the growth we will see mm-hmm. in our kids in middle school between sixth grade and eighth grade, not just physical growth. Mm-hmm. Um, because I'm like, oh my god, he, as an aside, he has armpit hair now. Like, <laughs> <what>? <laughs> So, you know, there's that, but just, you know, the mental growth. Wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> was, there, was there a day for you where you were like, you're like, you're getting ready and the kids are getting ready and all of a sudden you're like, whoa, 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 what was, put your arm up. Yeah. Oh, it was like I was waking him up one morning, you know, his arms were above his head and I'm oh. like, what, what is that? <laughs> and you're like, I'm not coming in here anymore. Yeah. Um, either your father's coming in or you're coming out of your own volition. <laughs> Well, it's, you know, it's the, uh, you know, like another, one of our other dad friends had mentioned, you know, their kids are at the age now where you knock if the door is closed. (laughs) (laughs) Or you make a lot of noise. Yes. But, you know, but (laughs) yes, not to get into too much of. No, don't. Not going down that track anymore. We all know what I'm talking about. But but as, you know, the principal of his middle school said back before, you know, sixth grade orientation is like, you will see incredible growth. But then, you know, there are, they are, and she's, to put it bluntly, she called it middle school brain. Like, okay, sometimes, I mean, these kids can be very smart, but they will make bad decisions and yeah. do ju- or just do dumb things that you're like what happened to your common sense mm-hmm. so <laughs> where are your clothes yeah <laughs> <laughs> no i always i think it was it was last summer i remember he texted me i was out of town for a, a work conference and he texted me asking if it was all right to, to make mac and cheese for lunch i'm like mm-hmm. yes you know how to do that please feed yourself and the next thing he sent to me was a picture of the butter drawer in our refrigerator and he's like, Mom, where's the butter? And I looked at it, 
And I'm like, you see that thing, that box that says (laughs) butter on it? That's butter. Well, because, you know... The sticks weren't like loose in the drawer. They were they were in the box. Oh, he had never so seen them. Apparently, he didn't. You know, he didn't make the connection between the box and the loose sticks. So, oh my god! So that was middle school brain. He'd and never <laughs> seen butter in the wild. I know. <laughs> and my boss at the time just laughed so hard because I showed it to her, and her son was had just graduated from college and she just laughed because she's like oh i remember those days where like you're like what happened to your brain like like there's no there's no second step it's like oh this is not usual right i cannot uh, my brain won't decipher this right and i like i remember i had texted that to my husband then too and i'm like this is where we repeat to ourselves our son is a straight A student. Our son is a straight A student. You know? He's fine. No, really, he's fine. Yeah, he's gonna be okay. Yes. Well, and your your daughter is how old now? She is six, going into first grade. So, but she's then already smarter than your son, right? Probably, yeah. For the most part, yeah. Going on into a, first grade, that's on a general daily basis. The common sense on the six year old is probably more than middle school brain. So, you know, that's a pretty big gap. I mean, <laughs> for is. you guys, you know, a lot of people have them bang bang right together, right? Yeah. And you got that gap. We did. And, and, you know, six years is probably a little bit too much of a gap because, you know, like, you know, we wanted a little gap, but then, you know. (laughs) One year became two, became three, became four. But then on the other hand, you know, we never had double daycare payments. We never had, you know, I mean, the oldest can babysit or ass in, you know, or, you know, like um, my daughter's at Leif Erickson this week and next week. And so my son can go pick her up from the bus stop. So. Really? Yeah. Man, he is a responsible young man. He is. For I mean, you know, He's right, making mac and cheese. Right after I talk about his middle school brain. <laughs> <laughs> Just as long as there's no butter involved, right, he'll be okay. No. <laughs> and he's cooking. Yes. You, I know he's feeding himself. Are you completely good. comfortable with that? Yeah, I am. You know, I mean, he's he only does what he knows how to do and, I mean, and what he likes. So. Is there any, like, tattletale situation going on there from the, the six-year-old where she's like, Oh yeah, I Come over here. I do get to hear some things when uh, you know my son has you know some friends over and they're in the basement playing uh, PlayStation for whatever. And sometimes uh, my youngest will go down there and spy on them, <laughs> and then I'll and then I'll hear little snippets about you know what they've been doing or stuff like you know. <laughs> well, that that won't last forever. She'll get busted by that pretty fast. No, and you know <laughs> they're like throwing stuff at her. Get out of here! Get out of here! And, you know. Well, that's they're. They're, they're coming it, but that's to, but, what they're supposed to do. You right. know? The little siblings are supposed to tattle on their big and siblings. And you're free range mom. Right. So, so you gotta let you've gotta let the uh uh the natural order of things play out. In right. Front of it you. just shakes out, you know, it's like you know, it's like evolution, natural selection. The strongest will survive. When you, know? <laughs> when you sort of uh cautiously relay these principles uh to your uh friends and associates, do they look at you in horror? At this point, or, or, is the, or is free range mom something that actually everybody does, but nobody admits to it? Well, I think my, I guess my friends and neighbors have all gotten used to it. Now, I remember when I first moved into our neighborhood, we moved in about three years ago. So it was like a year before uh, my youngest was going to school. And I said something about like, I was so excited to you know be in this neighborhood close to school, mm-hmm. like we're three blocks away. And I'm like, I will never have to do the school drop-off line again because we had open enrolled my mm-hmm. oldest into his elementary school. And so I always had, we always had to drop him off. Ugh, the and anyhow, but <laughs> and I said, I'd say that I'm like, I'm so excited to never do the school drop-off again. And they'd look at me 
and then they look at my daughter <laughs> and then look at me like <laughs> the next thing in their head was gonna be like like are are you some are you a are you homeschooling? <laughs> what, what's going on here? She just, you know. <laughs> How is that child going to get to school? Yes. <laughs> They're talking amongst themselves. Right, right. <laughs> the school drop-off thing, though, is really, it, it's it's kind of ridiculous. Yes, and I and I will be the first to say, I will shame the parents on my block if they are driving their kids to school because I'm like, we are three blocks away. Right. And even to middle school, which is just a little bit down, I mean, down the road so that's like a half a mile away yeah um you'll like, be okay right you'll get there and you know i'm like it's uh, no it's not i think i think this and the, the fact that you got to go get in the line and everybody sort of moves up until you get to some sort of appropriate distance from the door then you can push them out right yeah but why can't you just like pull up a, a, a half a block away and then mm-hmm. get out well at at my daughter's elementary school, yes, they do because they're. I mean, it's one of the largest in Sioux Falls, so there is. It's a, a mass, mass, yeah, yeah. like and, a jailbreak situation. Yeah, yeah and I good. always feel like if if more people make their kids walk or let them walk, and then go a little farther, a yeah, little farther, or, or just like you know, let do it. It'd probably be safer for everybody walking. Sure. But that's true. There'd be more of them. Safety yeah. in numbers. Well, and you know, then maybe more. You, you know, you get into an autopilot situation when you're driving the same route yeah, every true. morning. Yeah, and then they just, yeah. Uh, bad mother, uh, thank you. I think we solved something there right at the end. We, yes. we came to a solution. And Walk we'll, to school, everybody. We'll, we'll try and, <laughs> we're going to try and solve something else next time. Yes, we will. Sound good? All right. Thanks for being here. You bet. Coming up after the news and weather at the top of the hour, well, we're going to have Sam Gabrielli from KSFY Weather, and then we're going to chat with uh, Ernie Goss at 4.30. It's going to be fun. We're going to talk economics, one of my favorite topics. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. Fifty-eight on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO. The fair's going on, people. Now through August eleven. Woo! It's a long fair out there at the WH Line Fairgrounds. Kind of a slow start with all the rain and such. They had to start late, but they're up and running till midnight every night. Good times today. Let's see what's going on today. It's half price admission and half price rides. Eight p.m. It's Josh Turner in the grandstand. Grandstand entertainment is free with paid admission so get out there go to the fair coming up after the news we're going to talk with sam gabrielli from ksfy and then we're going to talk about uh, with nami sioux falls about some classes coming up this is information 1000 kso 414 on the patrick lally show information 1000 kso and i'm very happy to have in studio with us today Annie Garrett, she is program coordinator for NAMI Sioux Falls. Uh, Annie, thank you very much for coming in today. Thank you, Pat. Um, so uh, NAMI uh, is uh, uh, been, the acronym has meant a few things over the years, but right now it's, uh, I believe it's National Alliance for, the, for Mental Illness, right? Or how close am I on that? Very, very, very close. Very close. Um, so the National Alliance for Mental Illness has uh, been around for uh, quite a while, and we have a chapter here in Sioux Falls and a chapter in South Dakota, but mm-hmm. you're with the Sioux Falls chapter. Correct. And so um, tell me, uh, how did you, wh- what's your involvement with NAMI, Mommy, <laughs> NAMI, and uh, it's sort of, uh, how did you come to this role? 
Well, I um, am the program coordinator, and I came to the role about a year and a half ago. Prior to that, we had lost a daughter to suicide. Mm. And one of the places that we wanted her memorial money to go to was NAMI. I really knew very little of the organization. I just knew that it was a good organization, and they helped people with mental illness. And that was something that Shannon suffered from. Mm-hmm. And so you got involved, and uh, now you're program coordinator. Yes. Uh, and, and what do you do as program coordinator with, for NAMI? Well, I help get the classes going that we offer, the family-to-family and mm-hmm. basics. And I also coordinate the uh, Ending the Silence classes, which is a program for middle school and high school age students that talks about mental illness, uh, reducing the stigma of mental illness and suicide prevention. And you've got uh, classes coming up for families who are uh, have family members who are, are struggling with mental illness, and uh, we're going to talk about those in, in just a second. But I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts are on, um, you know, we hear a lot about uh, dealing with mental illness in terms of uh, law enforcement. And we, you know, whether it's regarding the jails or anytime there's a, a, a shooter situation, people say, well, we got to do something about mental illness. What is it that we can do um, to educate ourselves about mental illness and what we can do uh, as just as human beings for each other? Well, I think the first thing we have to do is care about each other and also reducing the stigma so people aren't afraid to let other folks know when they're having a bad day, when they've had several bad days in a row, or when they feel that, gosh, you know, I can't leave the house without making sure that my curling iron is unplugged, but I do it 20 times in the day. Mm -hmm. Um, Just... People need to be able to speak frankly, and we need to let down those barriers so folks will let other people know that they're hurting and that there's something going on that just isn't quite right. And the other thing that I'm interested in in terms of the stigma is people, um, there's there's this uh, reticence to like get help, right, because of the stigma. But then when people do get help, they're embarrassed to say they got help. And how does that affect people? And how how do you uh, help people deal with that stigma? I think the first thing we do is a little self-disclosure. We let them know that, yes, we too have struggled or are struggling, um, that we have found a path. That works for us, may not work for them, but it works for a lot of people. And we tell them about the different sorts of programs that they can be involved with or what's out there in the mental health field that can help them, be it um, therapy, you know, across the table from Mm -hmm. somebody, whether it be an alternative type of therapy, such as art therapy, pet therapy, Um, anything, uh, yoga, martial arts, those are all really good things that can help 
one's mental health. And then, of course, we have the use of medications that can be helpful for some people. And a lot of times it's a combination of the three different mm-hmm. um, items. The, uh, uh, we're talking with Annie Garrett. She's program coordinator for NAMI Sioux Falls. And uh, we're going to talk about some classes that are coming up here in just a second. Um, what, what are your thoughts on sort of the portrayal of people with mental illness in the popular culture? Uh, you know, it doesn't seem like there's much sympathy. It's either like on one end of the spectrum. You've got, uh, whether it's you know news or movies, television, whatever, you've got people on one end of the spectrum who are portrayed as just plain crazy, and then people on the other end of the sp- spectrum who are portrayed as completely helpless. And I'm wondering uh, if you see that and, and sort of what, how, how do we get past these things? I don't, I don't know how to do that. Well, I think it takes a lot of work and a lot of understanding and knowing that, you know, 80% of people are going to suffer from a mental illness at some time in their life. You know, one of five, one in five, I'm sorry, will have a mental illness at some time in their life. That's a big number. Mm-hmm. And we have children that are going undiagnosed, that are having severe problems in school. We have adults that with some treatment, they'd be doing just fine because mm-hmm. so many people are doing just fine with a little bit of help. Yeah, I mean, a lot of, a lot of what we consider mental illness, um, there are uh, excellent treatments. And it's and more than just fine. People can do great. Once you accept that you need a little help, and whether it's medication or therapy or what have you. Um, tell us about the classes that are coming up in, in uh, September, October. Okay. The first one that we have is uh, Family to Family, and that class um, starts on September 8th, and it's a 12-week class. It will meet at 1 p.m. on Saturdays at the VA hospital. And that is for families, partners, and friends of children that are suffering from a mental health disorder. And, and uh, it's 12 weeks, once a week. Uh, what happens at that class? What can I expect if I, if I come to that? You can learn about resources in the community, medications that people take, different treatment modalities, um, what it's like to have a child with a mental health problem in your home, Mm -hmm. the challenges that arise, Mm -hmm. what parents do or caregivers do for those problems, what works, what doesn't, and just the challenges, the day-to-day challenges of having a child with a uh, mental illness in your home. No, not just children, but any family member, right? Absolutely. And then the basics class uh, all, that's another class that you have that does deal more specifically with children, right? With children, and that's when does that right. start? That starts, uh, the basics class starts October 4th, and those are on Thursday evenings at 6 p.m., and they will be held at the South Dakota Parent Connection. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that is the Parent Connection. I'm trying to remember where that's located. Maybe uh, Louise yeah. and... 49? Yeah, got it. It's not too far from here. I know I've seen no. it. Um, so those are two of the classes that you offer, but uh, there's a lot of resources available through NAMI Sioux Falls. What do I do if I want to find out more? Where can I get more information? Well, you certainly can give us a call. Um, 
at our phone number, which is, gosh, 610-7226. 610-7226. And uh, people probably can call 211, too, to get that information. Oh, absolutely. Um, and then is there, uh, what's, does Nami Sioux Falls have a website, Facebook page, that sort of thing that we can go yes, to? Yes, we do. We're on Facebook, and we are on Twitter, and we have a website, which is www.namisufalls.org. And, uh, Annie, what's your message to folks out there who may be listening to this who, who just aren't sure they want to get involved with something, like classes, they don't know if, they, if, they're, they're, if they've got a family member, what the mental illness might be? What, what, what do you say to them as a survivor? Um, of a family and a survivor and, uh, you know, to help them through this. What do you say to them? Give us a call. Find out what NAMI is about. I didn't know what NAMI was about prior to Shannon's death. Mm -hmm. And Shannon had had a mental illness basically from age two on. And we had received treatment and looked for services and used services that were available. But I don't remember anybody telling me about the National Association on Mental Illness. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm thinking we're a pretty well-kept secret. Mm-hmm. If you have a question, and it can be about a friend, it can be about a family member, it can be about yourself. But just give us a call and let us explain the program to you and what different programs we offer and what might help you out. We're not counselors or social workers, but we do refer people on to, typically we refer to the helpline, and then the helpline can get you to where you need to go. And that phone number anywhere in the greater metropolitan area is 211 if you need more resources on mental illness or NAMI or uh, really anything. So uh, Annie Garretts, she's program coordinator for NAMI Sioux Falls, and the classes are coming up in September and October for folks who family members are uh, suffering from mental illness. Uh, And it is a great resource for people uh, because it's always, it's hard as a family member um, to understand sometimes that, uh, you know, your, your loved one has an illness. Absolutely. Yeah. Annie, thanks for coming in. I really appreciate it. You bet, Pat. Thank you. Coming up after the break, we're going to chat with Ernie Goss. He is a Economist from Creighton University and uh, an expert on the regional economy here in the Upper Midwest. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. Organized and brave. 433 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. And I'm very happy to have on the phone from Omaha, Nebraska, where he is professor at Creighton University School of Business, Dr. Ernie Goss, of course, Mr. Goss, Dr. Goss is uh, uh, pretty famous around these parts for uh, his uh, surveys of economic indicators. And uh, Dr. Goss, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me, Patrick. Good to be with you, and thanks for that kind introduction. Well, I, I try and, you know, build it up the best I can. <laughs> that's right. Uh, I am famous in my own household anyway. Yeah, that's good. Where I understand they still call you doctor, which I think is important. <laughs> that's right. Um, so you have been, uh, first of all, you've been at Creighton for how long? 25 years now. I've been part of this, uh, the greatest part of the greatest nation on the face of the earth. That would be the mid, what we call the mid-American region, which includes South Dakota. 
Yeah, it is. Uh, and Creighton's a, a great school. Um, when did you start doing? You do two monthly surveys, one of manufacturers and uh, and one of bank CEOs that try and give us kind of a snapshot in time of our economic condition. When did you start doing that? Well, we uh, Patrick, we started the uh, manufacturer survey in 1994, and then the survey of bank CEOs in rural areas, and that's to gauge economic conditions in rural areas that uh, depend on agriculture. We started that in 2006. So we've been at both of them quite some time. It's a wide-ranging survey, and uh, as a person who's been in media for many years in this area, I thank you for that uh, twice-monthly delivery of news. I think everybody around here thanks you for that. <laughs> well, thanks for thanks for carrying it. We want to get we want to get news out about what I regard as uh, I'm always saying ignored part of the nation, but we don't get as much attention in the midsection of the country as we do on the east and west coast of of the U.S. And we're in a very interesting time um, with uh, uh, tariffs, and uh, th- that's the first thing I want to talk to you about is. What are the what are do you think are the effects of this uh, the tariffs that we have going in? I mean, you can call it a trade war with China, but there's a lot of uncertainty in our international trade markets, particularly when it comes to agricultural products. Um, what is this? What is the this conversation even uh, short of a all out trade war doing to our economy here in the upper Midwest? Well, you know, Patrick, we've already seen some impacts, and that would be primarily in, say, soybean, uh, the soybean farmers, the pork producers, the corn, and other agricultural commodity, commodities. And, and as most of your listeners know, we've had now, uh, for the crop farmer in this part of the country, we've had ever since 2012 and 13, when we reached a really high watermark for, for farm income, it's been declining every year since. And for 2018, USDA had originally estimated uh, Estimated farm income will be up for the first time uh, since 12 and 13. And, of course, now we're not probably not going to see that because of the tariff, the trade wars. And it means a heck of a lot for the growth numbers. And, of course, the uh, president's proposed $12 billion of, uh, I'll call it a subsidy to, to agriculture. And that's just not going to be enough that we won't see continuing issues in the agricultural uh, sector, particularly pork and the uh, crop producers. And and that, of course, uh, trickles down to the entire economy. And uh, what are your numbers telling you about uh, the outlook for the, uh, the, the northern plains and the upper Midwest economy in the next uh, few months? Well, it's still positive, Patrick, and uh, particularly for uh, urban areas like uh, you're in Sioux Falls there, which has had a really good economic run of it, and so is the state of uh, South Dakota. But your neighbors to the north and your neighbors to the south and on the east, all that we survey uh, shows that the economy, manufacturing economy, has been surging. We've seen real good growth in manufacturing. Now, that's apt to be trimmed a bit. Uh, and I think the tariffs, along with higher interest rates and, and uh, on, tack on top of that uh, limited supply of workers, we're going to see slower growth for the second half. And that's particularly true for rural areas of the, of the states that we survey where labor shortages are a bigger problem and the dependence on agriculture is a bigger issue. What would you tell the president if you or his uh, advisors, uh, uh, Mr. Cudwell and, and the rest, about if you had their ear in terms of tariffs, um, 
is there is there a way to uh, uh, attack the core issue that they're trying to get to in a more surgical way, or what would your advice be to the president? Well, I, you know, Patrick, I don't know. Obviously, know what's in the president's head. If I did, his strategy wouldn't be wouldn't work. So, but nonetheless, if his strategy is to reduce the trade deficit, that's the wrong strategy. The trade deficit normally goes up during economic good times in the U.S. So, don't if we, there's a good way of bringing down the uh, the trade deficit. That's to go into a recession. We don't want that. A second one, uh, another uh, approach. He's maybe undertaking is to force manufacturers in other countries to move back to the U.S. or to the U.S. to take advantage of our domestic market. Likewise, I don't think that's a good strategy. Now, on the third, if he's if he's approaching it as reducing overall trade barriers and tariffs globally, and he keeps pushing, and they, they do come down, they trade barriers, trade restrictions, that China begins to play fair in terms of trade, then I'll sign on. The president was right, and I was wrong. And what's the likelihood of that happening? Um, it, because it seems to be and I think that's what everybody's hoping for, right? That he's able to, through force of will somehow, to get China to drop their barriers, to get, well, even the European Union to stop subsidizing their farmers or any of these things that we've been complaining about for a long time. But has, no, that, but that's, but that's only through force of will, right? That's not real economics. That's right, and I, I, I just we don't know who's going to blink first. I mean, in a trade war or a skirmish, both parties get uh, hurt. And likewise, and, and when we have free and fair trade, both parties benefit. Now, the idea that one wins and the other loses, one wins and the other just doesn't win as much. That would be the case with NAFTA, North American Free Trade Agreement, which South Dakota has benefited mightily from. There, We've not benefited as much as Canada and Mexico, but we've benefited as well. So both both parties would be bloodied. And back to the, your initial question, how will this affect the overall economy? It's going to take some points off the are not points, but take some chip away at growth in the second half of the year. Yeah. Um, speaking of NAFTA, and it's interesting to me because NAFTA has been in place for a long time. Um, the president doesn't like it. Um, there are other people who have had issues with it. But how do you explain to people the effect that it has had on states like South Dakota, North Dakota, Nebraska, Iowa, Minnesota? It's been huge, and it's been a huge positive, uh, Patrick. And and the fact is, it's been larger positive for Mexico and Canada. That's uh, iris- uh, the, the fact that they benefited more. I'm glad for their economies. Be glad for our economy. South Dakota, for example, exports almost a ha- about a half a billion dollars a, a year in, in just food and com- uh, agricultural commodities. And any food, any trade war. Agriculture is the first uh, casualty, and now we're seeing that with tariffs raised on food products. And, of course, another industry is very important and exports a heck of a lot from South Dakota would be machinery manufacturing. That's an industry that's going to be hurt. Also hurt by the uh, higher tariffs on uh, uh, imported steel and aluminum. That's, that's having some negative impacts on, on businesses throughout the region. Is this good for the U.S. steel industry, and will it actually bring jobs back to some of those places that the president is trying to bring jobs back to, say, you know, the old Rust Belt. Generally, it, it has done some of that, uh, Patrick, and I. And but the the gains there are more than offset by losses in those that produce uh, 
that uh, use are steel users rather than steel producers. And that would be the machinery manufacturers, that would be agricultural equipment manufacturers, for example, the John Deere's and others that, that populate this part of the country. Hmm. We're going to come right back and talk more with Dr. Ernie Goss. He is an economist at Creighton University and is uh, the force behind a couple of very uh, popular and interesting surveys that come out each month. We'll be right back on The Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Maybe the sun will shine today. 446 on The Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And we're chatting with Dr. Ernie Goss from Creighton University, who, of course, is responsible for a couple of very popular surveys of uh, economic indicators here in the upper Midwest. And uh, Dr. Goss, we were talking about tariffs earlier. Um, This is a related uh, issue, but uh, we have been in the nation as a whole has been in a, a very, very long expansion. How long can we expect this economic expansion to go on without some sort of downturn? We're going to see slower growth. Uh, that, that's uh, I, I think that's going to come in the second half of 2018. But it's slower growth. It's still positive, still better than what we saw in the last year of the Obama administration. So we have seen better growth, improved growth. But uh, there is a potential for uh, an actual downturn, a recession. Now, what do uh, your listeners need to watch out for? Watch out for higher short-term rates. Mm-hmm. Is the Fed? The Fed is so borrow today. The Fed is raising short-term interest rates. They'll raise rates on uh, September the 26th when they meet again. You can almost—it's about a 90% probability. Now, if if once uh, once those short-term rates, if they get above the long-term rates, that would be the 10-year, two-year. Treasury versus tenure. Now, it sounds real technical, mm-hmm. but it's real, fairly simple. Every recession since 1980 has been preceded by the the gap between those two get very smaller. Even uh, two year gets higher than the tenure. So that's something you can keep an eye on. That'll tell you a lot about what's going on right now. It's the lowest it's been since the recession. So we're we're it's pointing to slower growth. Those ahead. and those two when those two lines intersect, right? That's the that's the point at which people really start to get worried. They should. And, and now the Fed has said, well, this time it's different. Well, this time we hope it's different. It hasn't been ever since, since 1980. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's, uh, it's a pretty good harbinger of, when the, of slower growth, when it, especially if it turns negative, when short-term rates get uh, greater than long-term rates. And I know your listeners are probably, probably caused no telling how many accidents out there as people fell asleep at the wheel. <laughs> Well, you know, it's but it's important. And what what is the Fed in terms of raising these interest rates? I mean, because they all know these things. They're in the New York Times. Everybody can read this. Uh, you know, they're educated yeah, right. people. Right. What are what's their concern in terms of why are they going to raise rates in September? Uh, because of inflation. Inflation's rising out there. And so uh, what investors and your listeners need to do is protect yourself against higher inflation. Now, that would be buying something like the TIPS, uh, Treasury Inflation Protected Securities. Those are easily bought 
through your broker, your investor, or directly through uh, your investment account. That's one way. So protect yourself against higher inflation. We're seeing that, and that's what they're protecting. They're going to protect against. And as I see the tariffs, that's spilling over, increasing prices. We've seen the labor market, even with this very, very tight labor market, and that's very true in South Dakota, Mm -hmm. where the supply of workers, of qualified workers, is really restraining the growth. What we could see in South Dakota if we saw more uh, more qualified workers. The the how does raising interest rates st- uh, curb inflation? Because we haven't seen inflation really serious inflation in this country for a long time. Well, it, it, as you you as a buyer, you you're less likely to take on debt to buy a house, for example, an automobile. You're you're uh, less in businesses. They did likewise cut back on their investment, their capital spending because of higher interest rates. So it tends to make you. Also, it tends to put a little caution in you in terms of well, maybe I shouldn't be buying that that new uh, jet ski or the whatever your those capital. Uh, that new furniture, higher debt, so it it, tend, it does have a does tend to cool the economy a bit. And is that it would seem to me that generally speaking, we all think that people buying stuff is good. Is it? Is it? Uh, how is it good that people would curb their buying? How how's that good for the economy? <laughs> That's right. That's right. We you know what the saying is: we economists take the punch bowl away when the party gets going. <laughs> well, the party. The party's going, and we're about to take away the punch bowl. Well, it, it, it when you get an economy like Venezuela now, mm-hmm. now we're not talking about Venezuela inflation. Mm-hmm. That's about, uh, believe it or not, reported at a million percent per year mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. And, but we're talking about three to four percent, maybe moving to three percent. That that typically, if it gets out of control and gets up, we have we have some. It would then cause some real problems about planning on your spending. It would raise interest rate. You know, of course, that's the interest rates there and inflation pushing up interest rates, cutting into your buying power. All of a sudden, the cost of inflation, for example, changing those menus at the restaurant, for example, you've got to change those maybe weekly or monthly or whatever as inflation really gears up like we had in the 1970s and uh, uh, in the U.S. early 80s. It's kind of interesting because we haven't had inflation for a long time, real inflation. We did go through, you know, the greatest economic downturn since the Depression. Um, we've come out from the other side. Uh, sometimes, do you, do you as an economist wonder, are all these uh, hard sort of uh, principles that you believe in, are they still completely true? Do you ever question well, that? <laughs> no, I don't, and I, maybe I should. <laughs> you know, you know. I, as I say, when I go out and I, I, I speak to a lot of farm groups and a lot of agricultural groups and bankers and so on, and I, I, I only teach supply and demand. In agriculture, they live supply and demand, and these the oversupply, which is what we're having in some of the agricultural sectors right now, that's pulled down prices. So it's not just it's not just the trade issues that have brought agricultural prices down. So supply and demand that what we teach in our classes do they, those things do tend to work and they work much better in this part of the country than the rest of the country. Dr. Ernie Goss, he's a Creighton business uh, professor and uh, he is uh, the force behind a couple of uh, very popular uh, market indicator surveys. You can follow 
Mr. Goss, uh, by going to gossandassociates.com, that G-O-S-S-A-N-D, associates.com, and sign up for the newsletter, which is uh, very informative, and uh, I read it when I want to find out what's going around in the upper Midwest in particular. Uh, Dr. Goss, thank you very much, and we look forward to talking to you again real soon. Thanks, and thanks for having me on, Patrick, and enjoyed it. Coming up after the break here, we'll tell you what's going to come up tomorrow on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Four fifty-seven on the Patrick Lally Show, Information One Thousand KSOO. Coming up, uh, let's see. Uh, looking at the old calendar, what's going on in the world? Oh, it's Downtown River Fest on August eighteenth. That's four to eleven at the Downtown River Greenway. It's between Eighth and Sixth on streets. Uh, that's Sharapa Place, the Raven Industries parking lot. Live music on two stages. Kids' activities, food trucks, cold drinks, retail vendors, canoe rides, live art, and a fireworks finale. For get more on that uh, event, go to KSOO.com and find our event calendar. That is a, a huge annual festival in downtown Sioux Falls, right on the river. Should be fun for everybody. Uh, also, hey, Saturday, this Saturday, Nyberg's Ace Hot Classics Night down at Nyberg's Ace Hardware. Uh, downtown, 200 East 12th Street. That's the down, new downtown ace. That should be really cool with the Great Plains Street Riders. So a lot going on next couple of weekends as we wind down summer here in the best little city in America. Always a beautiful, beautiful time of year. Coming up on the program tomorrow, Madeline Shields from the banquet will be here. We're going to talk about SOS, Supply One Student, which is the annual drive to collect School supplies for kids who need them out in the community. I hope you'll be here for that. Also, Pat Powers, blogger from uh, Dakota War College, will be with us from his base in Pier. We'll be talking, or Pier, Brookings, Brookings, Pat's in Brookings. Whew, I wouldn't wish that on anybody. No, Pat Powers from Dakota War College. Yeah, Highway 14 West. Yeah. No, no. I'm going the wrong way. And the common man will be our weird friend of the day, I promise. That's all coming up tomorrow on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO.